Welcome to Podcast Mixed Communications. We are your hosts, Lilla and Benedicta. These podcasts are brought to you as a part of Project Other. In this series, we will discuss the malleability and or rigidity of culture through personal experiences with an aim to celebrate where we come from, who we are and where we're going. Sit back, listen and enjoy. Hello, Hello lovely, lovely humans. humans and welcome to our podcast for Project Other. We are your hosts, Lilla and Benedicta. And we're really excited to welcome two wonderful dance artists, Ella and David, to our first ever podcast. So we're going to give them a quick intro. Firstly, introducing the powerful and deeply knowledgeable Ella Mesmer, director of Ella Mesmer Company. Hello. The company creates um, folk-provoking and powerful political work using a diverse range of folkloric dance styles to tell personal and global stories. Ella is a coach, podcaster, yogi, and an incredible mover. Secondly, introducing wonderful philosophical dance artist that is David Evans, whose work is a blend of different dance styles and other mediums. David is the host and founder of David's Dance Podcast, where the discussions are centered around UK hip hop and contemporary dance artists looking at their unique journeys into dance. We've both had the wonderful pleasure of working with both Ella and David during the summer. And we're really, really, really super excited that we're here kicking off the very first episode of these discussions. So, Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks for the intro, you guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, I love really that. happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you. And, I, and I love you with this double act. You're so <laughs> amazing. So awesome. Where you find Lily, you'll find Benny. Yeah, we just come together now. <laughs> They're like a package deal. Um, we're going to start off with some fire questions. Um, so it's basically just three questions, which you need to answer with as little words as possible. Ooh, and yes. we'll go in the order of Ella and then followed by David answering the questions. Um, question one, list or tell us about the movement styles that you have trained in. Ella, go. Latin, I start. Okay, wait, let's, let's try that again with as little <laughs> words as possible. Salsa, samba, Afro-Cuban, Afro-Brazilian, breaking, aka breakdance, contemporary, aerial silks, yoga. Nice. 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 Um, And for myself, um, so I kind of, I've done quite a few different dance styles, but I kind of see the core really being like three pillars, and that is contemporary, uh, breaking or breakdance. Um, and salsa is what I see is really the core and then how that tends to all blend together is uh, in my work is really contemporary floor work with like an emphasis on partner work because that's kind of like the mixture of skill sets so that tends to be how it kind of all eventually kind of melds together but yeah those three are the kind of underlying techniques that kind of drive my dancing I think. Yeah. He got more words than me. That's not fair. I was going to say, David, David here with the words. I'm going to tell you it confidently. Nice. Okay, question number two. In three words or one sentence, David, what defines a feeling of belonging for you and where have you felt most belonged? Ella, go. Three words or one sentence. Traveling, salsa, 
she sentenced on the dance floor. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Love it. Nice. Um, just probably like my mother's food. Those those three words. That's <gasps> that's home. That's home to me. That's home. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, we were thinking like, one. oh, that, I didn't even think of some of that. That's brilliant. Fab. Final one. Tell us two truths and one lie about yourself. Right. <laughs> and I'm well. We're gonna guess which one's which. Just a bit of fun. I. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you can take a minute to think because I know this one can. Yeah, you might need a minute. Okay. I've been dancing since I was three. Mm-hmm. I'm currently in Mexico. I'm obsessed with food. I feel like we might have. Should we let David guess? Because yeah, like actually, we might know. Oh wait, hold on. No, say 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 yours again. <laughs> Mexico, <laughs> Mexico <laughs> food. And what was the other one? She was three. What was the third one? Um, Ella dancing since she was three was a third one. Since you're a three. So pick the one that you think's a lie. Oh, okay, that's a tough one. <laughs> I, I think it's. I think it's. Oh. I think it's the the dancing since you're three. I feel like you love dancing, but I think you got into it a bit later. I'm gonna go. Well done. Nice. Is that right? Nice. And yeah, that's David, right. have you got your three? Um. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm trying to. Yeah. This is hard. This is hard. Um. Uh. Okay. First one. Uh, I've only been bungee jumping once and I never wanted to do it again. And that was in New Zealand. My little brother was born in Singapore. And I met my wife through salsa. Is it is number two the lie about your little brother? Okay, wait, you guys guess as well. <laughs> just, I'm just like, is it this one? Yeah, I'm between number one and number two. And yeah, because I know with... number three. Yeah. It's the truth. No, it's. I'm going to go number one. I'm going to go with number two. Just. Okay. Just yeah, I've, I've never been bungee jumping. Oh, we went to New Zealand. Yeah, I, kind of and I went to New Zealand with my wife, then girlfriend, about five years ago. And we did see a lot of, like, when we were touring, to see a lot of, like, bungee jumping things. But. Uh, but I just I just I watched one and I was like no nah. <laughs> it was also really expensive so I was like that's a lot of money to like scream for yeah. five seconds you know <laughs> so. to be honest you can go on a roller coaster ride and get a similar yeah. effect and without it being like potential death I always see them as like oh my god potential just knowing me I feel like I'm just gonna the rope's gonna snap and that's it I just like oh it's chills it's proper chills terrifying um Thank you for that. That was quick. Well, it was meant to be like that, but I think it took a bit longer than we actually originally planned it to be, but no, that's brilliant. Um, right, delving straight into the discussions for today. So we're going to be focusing on like unpicking movement identity and how blended movement styles kind of inform the people we are as artists and human beings. So that's what we're kind of going to be discussing. Um, to kick it off straight away. So me and Lilla, when we were creating Project Other, we were bouncing around loads of ideas and we needed a terminology or like a definition 
of our cultural identity and we landed on mixed cultures as a way to define the both of us um, because so many out there. Now our question to you or our invitation to you is what terminology do you believe defines or doesn't define your cultural identity and why? I love it. Great question. The floor is open. Awesome. Anyone can go so, first. I'm going to dive in. Um, I'm going to say I, I work with mixed heritage a lot. Um, and it's really interesting, the thing of like mixed culture, because you're right. Is that what you said? Is that your wording? Mm-hmm. Mixed culture. Yeah. yeah, I really like that as a as a concept. Um, I've been thinking a lot about like how, yeah, this like intersection. So I've just completed this incredible course called the, the Mixed Bloom Room which is for people who have a mixed identity to kind of like work through a lot of the stuff and um and this kind of like this idea of almost like self-curating like how you identify because I think we're so much told in our society like this is you know as a mixed person this is like even this is what you're supposed to look like this is the music you're supposed Mm -hmm. to listen to this is you know it's like and there's this very much thing of like you're supposed to decide where you where you kind of lie mm. according to what the world tells you rather than actually you, you know, you choosing from the inside out. And um, and I, I really, I, 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 what's really happened to me is this kind of self-defining or self-realizing that I'm very proud of my mixed heritage, but also that that's, it's mine and it's very precious. And that, um, I don't know about you, but I, I seem to often encounter this question, which is, what are you? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Such a good question. Like, yeah. What are you? Like, I'm a human being and yeah. um, I, I can be multiple things. And um, yeah, and I really feel that that's, that's kind of a really important part of my, um, my identity is, is realizing or, or part of my coming back home to myself is that I don't have to fraction off myself and I don't have to yeah. um, pick one thing, but that I can be this beautiful the mix of everything mm. that I am yeah mm. definitely definitely it's, it's that mix aspect of it isn't it yeah that mm. is really important I think that's also difficult sometimes trying to put a definition on something that doesn't really fit into a category or yeah categorize mm. things something that's yeah sometimes that's difficult and especially to kind of satisfy someone outside you know like yes. like yeah. when they're asking that question well I so I've started saying like it depends on what my mood is but sometimes I'm like I don't talk about that with people I don't know it's so nice to be like I can just say that you know I don't have to tell but actually I really love talking about it and absolutely with yourself hugely you know that's why I'm here it's so exciting to talk about it but um but it's been really really kind of rewarding to realize that I don't Mm. always have to talk about my identity first to someone who I don't necessarily Mm. haven't actually had a conversation with yet there's there's definitely a vibe do you ever get this when you're talking to someone and sometimes they're like you feel like they're trying to they're like where are you from and sometimes it feels nice it's like I'm trying to understand you Mm. and other times it's like I it's like oh I'm trying to figure out what box to put you in so I can just keep you in that box and like it's it's really hard to like articulate what that feeling is but I definitely, when I feel like people are just trying to put me in that box, I actually just like, sh- I shut it down way sooner. I'm, I'm just like, oh, I'm American. And I just leave it at that, you know, but yeah, it, it is an interesting thing. And yeah, I like that Ella of like reclaiming ownership of that, of like, you know, actually I don't need to tell everybody like my full life story. 
Um, I do have a question for you, Ella, about that. So, I mean, was the term mixed heritage, is that was the term you used? Mm -hmm. It Was that term around when, when you were growing up? Or, Absolutely or was that not. something mm -hmm. like new or sort of, uh, you know? Yeah, no, um, I mean, when I was growing up, it was like people wanted to put you into like the, the, the how do you say it? The court, like, so I was called quarter. You know, this is a, a phrase that I don't really want to use. So I'm like, how do I say this phrase without saying this phrase? Mm -hmm. um, how do I say this phrase without saying this phrase? Or would it be all right to say this phrase for the purposes of defining what I used to be called a lot growing up? And um, is that all right with everyone here? Just checking. Yeah. So I would often be called quarter cast, um, which was kind of like, also quite hilarious when I when I first heard it and I was like like what does that even mean mm. like what what is this weird um phrase and and then like you know we would use mixed race a lot like many years after but I realized that actually you know if we really do look at it race is we are a human race mm. and and this is a complete human construct like racism is a completely human the whole the whole thing is just created in our minds it doesn't you know race doesn't really exist and so this is why for me I like the word heritage because it, it's essentially about heritage and race is just something that humans have used to divide yeah. and conquer and yeah create inequality yeah this is a thing as well because it, it's like like what's interesting that you said it, um Dave when you asked that question if, if it was word that existed then we've we've never really encountered this in our personal lives neither and it's only when we've been thinking about this project project and I mean we always needed something else but when you're actually being forced to think about something you think yeah. oh my god why have I never knew this or I remember mm. a conversation I mean you David and Lilla had as well you used like other terminology like and definitions such as bicultural and all these other things and I was like oh my gosh there's so much out there yeah. and it's like where do you find this information or is it being in the right space of like people? Because sometimes it's like you feel like you're in the right space, but you look at it and you're like, oh, we're so far removed. I don't even I don't even know that that's what mm. I should be saying or not saying or. Yeah. You know, yeah. And I think it changes often as well. Like, you know, you remember that the kind of it used to be. Bane, which me and my friend mm. call BAM. <laughs> um, but like like how things kind of evolve and, and it's and all for a really good reason, right? Of people realizing actually, you know, BAM doesn't work to just define everyone. Mm. It's like everyone goes in that box. And actually, is that really helpful? No, it's it's like and and I, I personally I also really love the global majority. I think that's a great mm. that's a great phrase to make us realise that it's not the the minorities, it's actually the global majority, majority. we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. One of the things I've been thinking about fair bit about recently is uh reading about like different terms used for african americans through history and the ways in which a lot of those terms weren't originally negative but then they take on negative negative connotations and then they get left behind and a new word becomes used and it sort of seems to happen if you like look at that history pretty much every generation or two generations you have sort of a new word being used to self to identify that category and it is this kind of thing of you have a new generation come in and the, you know, word that was once new becomes over time burdened with racism and burdened yeah. with, yeah, uh, you know, misused, misused by racists, um, you know, or just becomes burdened with other things. And uh, 
settling on a new term or creating new terminology is a chance for each generation to be able to redefine their identity in their own terms or, or reclaim that identity. Um, and so it, it's a funny thing because it's something you see people who are un, unwilling to change or adopt new language to describe new groups. Uh, and essentially that's, I, I think that's laziness in, in my opinion, because this is a part of a natural process. It's something that has happened and will continue to happen. That each group will continue to find new, new, new words to to describe and talk about themselves, because yeah. that's a new opportunity to kind of leave the past behind and sort of reclaim identity in in your own terms. Um, so yeah, I think you know this is kind of ha happened once, and uh, but it, it will continue to happen because yeah. you know even the words we're using today you know, like a generation or two from now, they'll probably find that problematic. And it's not that the language we use today was is bad. It has worked for us now in this time. And then what the language that will work for them in their time with the, you know, with the challenges that they're facing will, will be different. So it's also just seeing this as part of like a, a process that I think has been so, so interesting. Yeah. And I think that's what's quite beautiful because it is, it does evolve and a bit like our own cultures or how you might want to be perceived personally or like identified like that is something that is a part of your journey and mm. I think it's so nice to be able to well it there is that freedom and it's just accepting that it is a kind of journey and it will be changing. I think my I think my question was uh, I think I had in my that just came up in my head was when was this aha moment when you'd realized oh I can redefine who I am or I like for you Ella like I don't have to because I think I suppose it's like it's having that it's like where does that come from because I know I've been around so many artists and and just general people and they there's this level of resilience that we've all built but it's like how does one be begin on that journey? Was it was it from being in social spaces with other people? Was it the the learning aspect, or one day where you're just like, right, that is it. I'm redefining who I kind of want to be, who I want to be identified as. Because it's not necessarily sometimes it's not necessarily moving with the time. Because I know I, for example, with Bam, I never had a problem <laughs> with it until I realized I had a problem with it. Yeah, yeah, and, right. And then when people, when I realized that, people already realized they had a problem with it. So it's just like, when was that? moment for you not mm. or general but yeah I mean I think for me it's like it's an ongoing process and actually it's like the that 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 realization is a more recent one of I don't mm. have to I don't have to worry about the outside it's, it's really about my own kind of like me coming to terms with myself almost um I think that as as artists because I don't know about you but I feel like I've so often been put into a into a performance to kind of perform my pain and um kind of like there's not a, there's not a lot of like healing work happening it's like you kind of like you go and you do this thing that's like bringing up all of your stuff um and that's beautiful to watch on stage but then there's not really an aftercare mm -hmm. and so what I kind of found was like I needed to figure out how to do the aftercare for myself and that also became something that I really wanted to to try and do in my company was having worked with so many choreographers where they just really, you know, it really didn't feel like they actually cared about your well-being and your mental well-being, that I started to realise that for me there's there's an aspect of what I'm doing as a dancer which is like healing and 
looking after my mental health mm. and unlearning through movement. And so there, there really became this kind of more and more, and that's you know, why I became a coach and so on and why I sought out, I've sought out many different like coaching programs and ways to, to learn and to heal. And so really this last, um, this last realization of actually I don't have to, I don't have to define myself was because I realized that I have a massive not belonging belief because I am of mixed heritage and didn't ever really know where I fitted in, you know, as a mixed person, as well as, as well as in society. Cause it's like, you kind of know, like I'm not British enough to ever be really kind of um, considered British. I will always be asked, what are you? But then I'm not mixed enough to really be like many people don't know that I'm mixed. You know, there was all these different experiences that I was having in all these different kind of spaces and that last realization of like holy crap I get to decide (laughs) you know like I know who I am and like no one can say oh you're not that person you know no one can tell me that's not those are not your parents I know and I know where I was born and I you know I know all of these these facts about myself but then I also get to decide myself and I get to curate that myself and that's yeah that's been a really healing process Mm. I think that's interesting from like a space point of view, like, and this is some, I mean, I'll speak to this a little bit, but I'd really like to hear like your thoughts as well, Ella, of, you know, maybe dance is that space as well, but are there certain spaces or relationships where you feel like that uh, mixed heritage is more accepted or you can feel more yourself? Because I found for me, and it took me a while to recognize this, that I, through kind of really throughout my life I've always been really drawn to just other immigrants and a lot of my friends have been uh, immigrants as well and even though they're usually people who have had wildly different uh, life experiences from me the fact that they uh, can empathize with that experience of like falling between the gaps and kind of having to straddle kind of multiple spaces at once like has always made me feel so much more at home and being able to talk about that experience of uh, like pretty much whenever I meet someone, I'm like talking about culture shock, you know, what was your culture shock moving to the, the UK? And that's different for everybody, what that culture shock was. But like those kind of relationships and those kind of friendships have like often been home for me because those people already understand me, even though they might have just be like, we're just chalk and cheese. The fact that they've had to navigate that means that those are friendships that I've sought out because I I already understand that that person understands a little bit of like what I've been through. Yeah, yeah totally. I think that's why I started salsa. So I my first like salsa experience, I went to a salsa club, age fourteen, <laughs> <laughs> um, and was like, oh, I'm home, you know. And it was, it was mm. because it was like. Yes, there were people who looked like me because I think there is something as as like that quarter person of like it's not a very known like people don't realize that or they they don't like you know no one ever knows where to to put myself and and many other people who have like who have a similar kind of look to me um but when you go to a salsa club, there's so many people who look like you, and then there's also so many people who don't look like you, but we're all we all belong and Mm. yeah there was there was certainly like and I think it's also really interesting of how much are we doing these things based on our not like I'm not talking about necessarily a person of mixed heritage but like 
how much do we do things in our life motivated by belonging of like finding that space where you do belong Mm. and then is there an element of of unlearning that can happen in that for me of well actually I I I do belong in lots of spaces um that I might have felt that I didn't belong in and so I'm trying to also question that of you know maybe that's like you know going into a really posh hotel (laughs) being like and kind of acting like I I don't fit there when actually it's like who gets to decide like everyone Mm. belongs you know that um so I think there's that layer as well but yeah I would say salsa and breaking have always been kind of real homes for me because those two spaces it they were very mixed and everyone is welcome and I think that I, I really agree with what I really resonate with what you said there's something about like lots of people who are have very different life experiences it also creates this openness this open-mindedness that felt um like a space that I wanted to be around in a space that yeah felt created a sense of belonging and I also um, I think it's really interesting like so I'm very I'm, I'm quite an adaptable human I'm, I'm very good at languages and um, I'm very good at like finding my way to fit but in a very like not fitting way you know so um this is why I love to travel and I love to to just be around and experience lots of different human beings and um I, I have a kind of quite a natural way of like almost like adapting to the the way like figuring out like I'm in Mexico right now of like mm-hmm. figuring out well how does it work here and like how is the way that you hold yourself and communicate with one another and it was a similar thing when I went to Nigeria on a project a few years but there's like this kind of learning of like the body language and the the expressions and you know all these little things that mm-hmm. I, I absolutely love it's so exciting to learn those those aspects of, of human being human yeah mm. this is like completely like on kind of the right like what you were saying David about you you gravitate towards people who are similar to you but also it's like it's it's one of those things I think because we've had to question ourselves so deeply from probably such a young age or of where do I fit in do I fit in this people look at me like this people perceive me as that I find that we are naturally as people people who are mixed heritage or whatever your definition of who you are may be of your culture identity I feel like we are very ever-changing like very easy to fit into into categories and kind of mold ourselves and blend ourselves and it's like almost to sometimes to what avail to what damage is that doing because it's great and having this versatility and this ability but what what is that doing internally what is the process of of that and Mm. I mean when when is that going to be realized through Mm. through life really I think that's kind of where my as you were both speaking that was where that was kind of the thing that was coming back to me it's like yeah that's and that's where I think that thing of like we don't have to we don't have to apologize or mm. explain that's where this is really landing for me at the moment of I, I have carried this huge not belonging belief throughout my life and actually I'm realizing I don't have to gain other people's approval anymore it's about really learning to accept who I am with me nice and I think what's really nice is that that kind of ties in with what you were saying earlier of like actually not everybody needs to know or like choosing where you put those that energy and who you want to share what with like that's definitely Mm. a big part of it too Mm. and I don't know about you but I definitely had moments where I I, like I look back and I'm like oh I was so needing to like state who I am Mm. 
Hmm. And I, yeah, it's really beautiful to be stepping into this place where I'm like, I don't need to do that so much anymore. Mm-hmm. It's, it's for me. It's for me to curate that. Mm-hmm. True, 100%. Yeah. I think, because I'm like, ah, it's, it's so hard because for someone like me where it's very obvious, like I just, I just don't, let's say I, I just don't belong. Some people, I feel like, already as soon as I walk into a room this is my thing as well as soon as I walk into a room it's like I need like where's she from I need to know there's like you can see that internal clock into people and especially because I'm I'm Angolan and Congolese as well like there's 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 two sides of me this is why when we were having that discussion of like identity I was like well my heritage as well is it's not just in one place it's just like in two different places and then when you go further down the line it's just like it's ever-changing and I think having that boldness that boldness to say I don't want to I don't want to discuss this is is I always find it a bit like hard because it, it comes with the stereotype of that of of being a black woman of being like that strong and that the the negative side to it I think I find so I always find I have to soften in a way as much as I want to be like respectfully no at the same time I'm going to be like soften the respectfully no side of me so yeah I think that's probably yeah one of the the many challenges because I would love to just be like listen I don't have to tell you anything but what if, if you I still think... did that but you just did it with like a smile on your face <laughs> yeah. I don't know doing anyways. Just yeah <laughs> and like like the way you said it I'm like yeah totally. I personally I think why can't you say that but, mm. but it's a journey isn't it mm. and yeah it's exciting also seeing your journey and like you know seeing how how you are kind of and and this project that you're doing it's like so exciting to be exploring these questions and I'm sure there's going to be so many people watching this and just like oh thank you you know these are the questions that we need to be having the conversations you need to be having I think this is what's so nice about this project that for both of us it feels like such a personal journey but also a discovery and like a personal discovery that's long overdue because I think that's the thing from when I was like little I always found it so difficult to know where I felt that I was belonging or like where I was from because David like what David was saying before that question it's always reoccurring where you're from and it does depend on what intention people are asking it but it would always like conjure up so much confusion because I was like I actually don't know where I'm from or like where is my home or where I where I do belong so Mm -hmm. I feel like we're on that journey now of like kind of really hoping to get to that place where you are now Ella where you can just be like actually this is me and like just figuring out what that Mm -hmm. is and that actually it doesn't it isn't a categorized thing Um, and yeah the woman who who ran this course I just on the mixed bloom room her name is Sarah Garrett and she speaks a lot about um this concept of the both and that we're like we are both this and this at the same time and I've been really thinking about that in terms of like discomfort of like being both comfortable in who I am and uncomfortable in who I am at the same time for example and like just be learning to kind of like hold that and it's really interesting because in my coaching I talk a lot about creative tension it's kind of like this space where like you know when you're making the work and you're like I have no idea if this is good or not and it can like turn into psychological tension where you're like I'm just gonna I don't smoke but I don't know go and buy a pack of cigarettes and or like get really wasted or like you know like self-sabotage the whole thing 
And it's like learning to hold that creative tension. And I think there's something as as a person who both is one thing and is another thing. It's like we're always in those in-between spaces and that maybe they are just uncomfortable and it's learning to mm. like. And I also think like it's a lifetime journey, as in I still I'm not I'm not finished on the journey. You know, there's still stuff and there's still discomfort and there's still and it's just. Um, yeah, I guess like diving more and more and asking the questions. Yeah, so this is why, again, this project is so important. Hmm. Um, if that's okay, I'm going to go on to another, the next topic, which is kind of more artistic based, more about like dance stuff. <laughs> um, so artistically, me and Benny um both came into dance by sharing playing and creating mostly like our own routines from whatever inspired us um like not going to any dance classes just kind of making up movements and and then we kind of entered almost full blast into this contemporary dance world when we started our training and it was quite new it was like very technical very strict and formal and it was very much about learning step-by-step choreography and it felt almost that there was a bit of a limited artistic license and we'd be performing in theatres where there'd be this pressure for perfection and to do the set moves and um like the audience would be sat in the black. Most of the time you wouldn't be able to see them. They would clap at the end when they're supposed to then leave. And it all felt very different to, I guess, the way that we entered into it. And then in contrast to that, we would see break dancers in the social space breaking and like dancing at amazingly high standards, grafting as hard as we were in the studios, but they would be doing it with this like family egging each other on vibe and it was so lush to see. And I think that also reflects in breaking battles when um, everybody's got this, like everybody's doing amazing performances but and like working at their best, but there's also this amazing energy that comes and is shared with the audience who are kind of, more involved in the performance and I know this this is just coming from an outside perspective but me and Benny were having the conversation about how different that felt and how yeah sorry so that goes Mm -hmm. on to the question which is um from your individual experiences of training and embodying embodying breaking contemporary and other movement styles and cultures what are some of your experiences within this and how, if at all, has the, has this shaped the way you create and play and work? If that makes sense. David, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. So um, I am at my core really a improvisational dancer, a freestyler. Um, I can do choreography, but it's something that I had to work at to be able to do. Um, and because of my background in breakdance and salsa in particular, and both of those are at their core improvisational styles, um, that improvisational thinking was very much at the center of how I then approached contemporary dance and ballet. Mm-hmm. Um, 
mainly from just a really practical point of view is just the emphasis on free freestyling as a way to integrate movement into your your current movement set and way of moving so instead of using choreography to place movement into the body you learn a step and then you go away and you improvise and put that step in different places and you start to play with it mm -hmm. um and seeing that as almost like seeing it as learning and then integration part of the learning and the integration <laughs> happening through the freestyling that's still very much the case um, and very much how I approach my growth as a learner um, in, in everything that I do. Um, I generally think that class is great, but people do too much class. You probably only need about one class in a given style a week. Um, and then you probably need, in my opinion, a two to one, three to one ratio of your own personal training time working on that things, you know, particularly in the way I think of like the way salsa is taught, for instance, like they throw in a bunch of choreography at you. And the best thing you can do is actually just go away and just, you could easily spend multiple days unpacking that choreography, integrating it into your freestyle. Um, and when I went to Laban, like I started doing this with things like ballet, um, where I would take a class, there's a bunch of things going on in a class. It's really overwhelming and confusing. <laughs> yeah. And so what I would do is just pick like one thing, like one step and be like, okay, this is low hanging fruit. I'm going to work on this a lot over the week by myself and drill, drill, drill. And so that was like the B-boy in me being like, here, I can take this step. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I'm not going to be able to, you know, grow on Batman up to my ears by the end of the year. But, you know, I can do, I can, you know, get these like, you know, like petite batmons and these like frappes, these kind of things uh, I can do and I can work on and drill by myself and I don't need to wait for class to do that. So I think that has really, that, that has really changed my approach to training um, as well as the fact that uh, choreography and improvisation are so cognitively different because choreography is, 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 is linear, you tend to think about movement in linear ways. Yeah. Uh, and from a learning point of view, I prefer the way in which improvisation teaches you to think non-linearly non about uh, movement. So I think of breakdance and salsa as being like chess. Um, and each move is like a position on the board. And then transitions into and out of that move are... Uh, are how you get into that position and out of it. So, so for me, it's like, you know, we're at a point in a salsa dance and I'm going to do a simple turn. And I'm in my head, I'm looking at that turn as like a queen in the middle of the board. And it could go here, it could go here, it could go here, it could go there. And I want to explore all those different options. And then it's that positional play is what that call in chess. It's that positional play is what makes you a really great player because it gives you options you have options while you're dancing so, and that's why improvisational dancers look so free and they can be so musical is because in their heads they have those options at their disposal um but it's as like a cognitive framework it's a different way of building up dance and creating dance than thinking step a step b step c step d yeah i think that's so nice because it's like it's almost like you're grabbing those skills or whatever takes your interest from those classes and then 
playing with all those different transitional options you have you're just making it your own because obviously those movements that you choose to get in and out to the next thing is going to be completely your creativity your body how you want to move and it's just mm. also opening up your options so like you're saying when you're maybe dancing salsa with a partner you know what your options are yeah yes interesting yeah. to like think about movement in that way yeah as opposed to the other way really kind of where we came from having like a very clean basis especially when we entered contemporary and ballet because it was like we didn't have all these other we didn't we weren't sitting and existing in these other places where we could pull that stuff from and I think that's why we're at this point where it's like what else is yeah. out there kind of thing I don't think you're going to say something to us. um yeah just to respond and I, I love that David like it really it's really nice as well it really helped me kind of understand you um mm. on a new level and I'm like yeah I'm going to take that away of like you don't need you only need one technique class and then you do the rest of the time is improv um and I also really agree really agree like I so salsa was my first dance and then breaking was my second and as a follower in salsa so David was a leader in salsa you know it's very gendered and you you have these different roles um it was actually even more problematic for me when I went to dance school because I am so like I'm I'm a very good follower but that became then it was like holding moves in my head like having to do the move that you said and remember it and like it was just you know it was such a challenge for me we actually went to we have a kind of similar um journey as well if I also went to lab and first so that was like my entry well I did a, an apprenticeship in contemporary with a company in Leeds and then I went to lab and, mm. and that was such a challenge to learn choreography for me took you know it took a long long time and it is still mm. like something I recognize of because my you know my my real background is about listening and responding and that's where I you know that's where I happily live um and I love that place because it's like a meditate it's a form of meditation and dance and you know it's it it's so in the present moment but but then what would happen to me is that choreography would kind of take me out of the present moment and then I would go into fight or flight mode so it was a real journey of of learning um and there was also this real because for me, home was salsa and home was breaking of like, that was why it was so important for me to make these dances where I was bringing those styles onto the stage. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're so technical. They're so incredible. Like even what David just said about like how you train and what you were saying, Nella, about the that space at Dance City where I have trained many times of like the technicality that happens in those spaces and yet it, it's kind of it, it's not respected or it's not kind of valued mm. in the same way or so it seems anyway you know I'm not mm. saying that that's necessarily mm. true the break breaking is about to be in the Olympics right so like yeah. it's all changing so yes so excited about that but um but for me that was why it was so important to kind of create these these spaces where what I understand is dance and when I was in Russell Malifont, Malifont company um his wife she's called Dana used to say she used to whisper Ella dance and then I would like flip out of the like contemporary dances like this and just go into my oh yeah that place of improvisation and presence yeah. and you know that's where for me the magic really lies it's funny because I think contemporary dance well I guess we've all trained in contemporary dance and it it is amazing it's incredible and there's so much you can take from it and skills and everything but it can also feel confining in that way sometimes. Yeah, but I do love it as well. Absolutely, yeah. it's incredible. Yeah. 
And I think it's helped me actually to get out of like the some of those boxes of being a salsa dancer or being yeah. a breaker. Yeah. And what what's really interesting for me when I was listening to you um to you speak, Ella, it's like the that you express the limitations in that you were finding when you did it the reverse way that we've kind of like well that we're going to the kind of journey we're going on like whereas you found you you found that freedom in salsa and breaking and and that that learning within it that existed and then when you went into contemporary it was like it was the it was the step-by-step choreography that stagnated your freedom and your creative process where it's like and I, I, I never thought that would be a possibility. I we, like where I am at as well. I'm finding like I found, I I found like I almost thrived in that. Like that gave me the the creative license because I had a base to go from, which mm. is so funny. And then now being at this point where I'm like, I have the base, I have the creative license, but I'm lacking other. There's this other thing that it keeps circling around me that I'm lacking. Like what 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 is it what is that thing that I'm lacking is it, and, and I think that's why we were really interested in hearing your responses because it's like how those other movement styles have informed your way into the contemporary like world and yeah. they're completely like yeah I think it reflects a bit similarly to what we were talking about before of like things not being one solid thing or something that you can categorize and be like I'm yeah. this culture or I belong to this category or definition because I think it's like sometimes I'm saying I'm a contemporary dancer but I'm like actually I really don't feel like that defines me I haven't trained in any other style but especially recently and we were talking about this before like I feel like a longing for something else and I think it is something between the way that people approach training and the way that I think it is changing a bit now but the way that choreography and having set movements is so like is very common in contemporary dance as opposed to that free improv and having your own artistic style and voice um yeah so I feel like it's it's definitely having a dance style and having contemporary dance shouldn't define you being I'm a contemporary dancer and it's so nice that you both have these different styles that you can draw off and be like like David was saying, you can take the training style of something and then apply that to a, like to ballet. And it's like, that's so beautiful because you are making sense of it in the way that you need to make sense of it, but also yeah. creatively allowing yourself to be who you can, who you want to be and artistically like really use your voice. And I think there's something about our base that we'll always come back to. Like I'll very often go, oh, that's like samba. Oh, that's like this. Or like, you know, I work a lot with Orishas as well. Like everything always comes back for me to the Orishas and like what what the element is or what the kind of aspect is of that god or that goddess or, you know, whoever that person is. So maybe we always do kind of come back to our base mm-hmm. to make sense of things. But then these, I think that they all enrich what we do and they all kind of give us a new a new possibility to grow and I, I would say like now there's such a, a kind of there's so many different influences coming into each piece of work even though they'll be you'll be able to kind of tell oh that's an elemesma piece of work and that's got an elemesma movement to it but actually you know each one is so it's like they have their own personality almost mm. each performance and mm. um, what would you like to put to the both of you actually I think I want to propose the kind of question or invitation around 
the idea of like social learning as like versus kind of professional learning like when when we think about dance we think of the origins that it came from where it was like it was it was needed as a way of breaking through as a way of freedom as a new expression but also in social um social um kind of social cultures kind of communities and then when we're turning it on its head the other side of it for example where it's been placed in professional settings and kind of like your thoughts on that because I feel like when like I was saying to Lilla when I first entered into contemporary and all that thing has happened now I'm I'm looking back going there were other options for me but I I didn't know of these other options and Mm. who would I be for example if I went to as an eerie dance company and studied there instead Mm. of going to dance city and study contemporary dance where well well where it was mainly contemporary um led contemporary dance led like it's yeah I think I just want to oppose that social versus professional learning kind of what your thoughts are around that Mm, and I also it made me think about activism that like many of these social dances were a form of activism as Mm, as well mm, first like breaking samba salsa many many more it was and like even if you look at the kind of the lyrics the words in songs and like there's, there's something about the energy that goes into like samba is a very happy dance right like it, it you perceive it as like this celebration but actually if you listen to the lyrics and especially knowing the history actually it was about breaking out of slavery and it was about mm. going against a, an oppressive system um, and I think that's there's something in that for me of the the kind of the energy that you bring when you're dancing a style that has that um, that allows you to express anger and mm-hmm. and joy but like find joy in the anger and in the, the difficulty that I think is really beautiful um yeah and I think it is really hard to like how do you know you know these these kind of sliding doors of the choices we make when we're younger right and but um but I I think what I what I really love about dance in general is that we have this possibility to express and like thinking about these kind of ways that we can train for me, there's also something when we when we freestyle where it's like you're expressing something, you're getting to the core, you know, like this topic that you're both speaking about and actually watching you both dance and David as well. Um, there is a there's there's something more. You're not just doing the steps, you're expressing who you are and you're getting to that like state of flow where it's no longer about thinking about what's coming next. It is like you know is that meditative moment that for me like my ultimate is always um the salsa when I'm following someone and it's like I'm just gone and then the drums kick in and like this um almost like this this waking up or this remembering Mm -hmm. of something like it feels like it's something ancestral almost you know it's like the song kind of takes over right and it's just this yeah this beautiful state of being Mm -hmm. where you've got the goosebumps and you're just in it yeah yeah it's it's almost like when it's even beyond you and it being about you but it's about that connection whatever that connection is whether it's with the other person or with the music or the emotion mm. yeah mm. I'm, I'm dancing salsa here by the way so amazing I've managed to um on my first day in Mexico I went out to a salsa <laughs> night and um turns out my friend so I spent uh, three months in Cuba in 2015 and I hung out with this one dancer who's she's um 
Well, at the time she was in a company called Races Profundus, who are incredible. And she's flipping moved here. So it's just amazing because I'm basically like, what are we doing tonight, Salsa? What are we doing tonight, <laughs> Salsa? <laughs> so good. Yeah. And so, yeah, I had that moment last night where it's like exactly how you just described it, Lilla. Just, yeah, this beautiful that beautiful space and that is belonging I, I feel like that's when yeah. I most belong mm. it's something that I think as teachers like we can definitely think of consciously about bringing to class so if I think about like a ballet class um you know it can be quite individual you know you, you know let's do a phrase from the corner this is what the phrase looks like uh do it in twos you go along and you're not you're moving with the person next to you, but you're not really dancing with them. Mm. You know, you're, lo- you're looking at yourself in the mirror as you do the thing. <laughs> and so it's solitary. It's, so it's really people dancing alone in a room. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they, if there is a sort of duet going on, it's going on with the imagined audience. Yeah. Um, and I think there's, it can be a shift where you shift from, you know, how can we all together be dancing together in yeah. the room and actually be dancing with one another yeah. And if we're doing traveling phrases, whatever, we're doing bar work. How can we do this in a way in which we're all dancing together in this moment? Mm -hmm. It's not that, oh, we're all going to go and you're going to work on your technique on the bar. We're doing the same exercise. No, no, no. We're we're dancing together. And this exercise is the steps for us to dance together, you know, which is really different. And I think that's something that salsa does well, but, you know, could be brought into other forms of dance. Because otherwise you can do those classes and you leave and you're like, oh, I didn't really vibe with anybody. Yeah. I felt like I was just, you go and you just feel like you're at your spot at the bar. Right, and exactly. You're just going through the flow. And that can actually be quite a solitary experience, you know. And I think as Ella speaks about, you know, it feeling, a, a, it, tapping into something really deep and primal is I think it's that, that sense of what dance can do, which is like creating a sense of togetherness. Mm. And actually when you create dance context that, uh divorce us from that I, I think they can they can start to feel sort of you know out of place in a way yeah so I, on one side I think it's really great to that's to think about on the salsa side there's something there's a there's a process of learning that is reversed in salsa versus contemporary contemporary and ballet context so uh when you're taught a step in ballet uh you're taught it uh really through language first mm. this is the name of the step uh, and then you're taught it visually, I'm going to demonstrate the step. And then kind of last, you're taught it like kinesthetically, either through, you know, hands-on adjustment or you doing it yourself. When I am teaching someone through salsa, I intentionally reverse that process. I, we dance the step and I move and try to lead the step so that the person learns it first kinesthetically in the most natural way they feel mm-hmm. the step and then and then I might also do it so they can see it so then they get the visual of the step and then only if both of those fail do I explain the step mm-hmm. because sometimes it is helpful to add a bit a bit of added explanation and then probably the last thing I'll do is after the dance is done I will talk some more about the history of the step and the dance and why we dance it in that way so it's not that I get rid of language or things, but I reverse that process. So people engage with it first, just as a mover and vibing, and then they get used to learning by, by through listening, learning by tapping into somebody else's body, somebody else's movement. 
Um, and I find dancers that learn that way. So one of the interesting things that happened over lockdown is I met this group of dancers in Reading. This was quite late. And they had basically been doing, I don't necessarily recommend this, but they had basically been doing underground salsa parties since <laughs> lockdown started. And so there was like ladies who I danced with who had never been to a class. They had only learned salsa through social dancing at these parties for like a year or two. So since lockdown started. And the way they danced was so different from the way people danced mm -hmm. from going to class. Um, because, and the main difference was that their understand their groove was superb and their connection was great. Um, because, because they had to learn primarily kinesthetically rather than people explaining things to them. They mm -hmm. learned through, they got very good at learning through the groove, through the body, through listening, um, yeah, so that's something that I, I really love and appreciate salsa for um, and that I, I'm very actively think about is how actually can we reverse that process of the way one of the ways in which we've westernized dance by moving from language back to the body and actually go, actually, can we start with the body and then yeah, move outwards to language? In a way, that's so much more accessible because when you're teaching and you're verbalizing movement, you're kind of limiting the way that someone can obtain that because you're you're choosing how you're describing that to someone whereas when you're doing it physically they choose how they receive that and I think that's what's so beautiful because actually that can be so more inclusive and I feel like that is definitely how I definitely learn more physically but because mm. you are taught so verbally it's almost like that that's how you think things should be done or have yeah well it, re it removes the translation process yeah. right yeah. because when someone yeah. says says the the name of the step you and your brain have to convert that into a visual and then into like what the, what's that like as a body feeling yeah which yeah. is why I never really rated teachers who you know you'd get this sometimes in ballroom teachers would be like you know and do a chassis here and then we're going to do a corner step here and I'm just like this is this is just lazy teaching because you're making me have to do the work in my yes. brain of converting it into a visual and then into my body. Whereas if, if we just danced it together, like I wouldn't need to learn all these names or I could learn them after the fact, yeah. which would be better because then I would have a body sensation to tie that word to as a mnemonic in my, in my brain. So for, for me, it's, it's just going straight to the source. We work with the language of movement. So let's start with the language of movement. But you've literally so described basic. why I feel like I do not understand ballet. <laughs> <laughs> I, literally, it's, it's like, because I remember we had a teacher who, Julie, who when, when sometimes she was, she was amazing, but words and associating words with movement was never my forte. Like to this day, I like, I, run from a ballet class if I can help it because it's just like even though I've seen like it when I where I'm from in um in, when we speak Lingala it there's French translations in there and someone who actually understands French then going into ballet and feeling like what the hell is going on is a massive it's like it's the weird it just doesn't make any sense and then when you're talking about their like sensations I feel like that's where it lies with me like mm -hmm. I know the sensations my body feels in certain places. And even weirdly, like the other day I had a dream and within the dream, for some reason I was an arabesque, but I felt that sensation and I knew I was an arabesque without knowing I was an arabesque in that dream. Like that's like, that's very, really hit home for me. When you said that, my brain was just like. I love that. <laughs> yes. So gosh. 
yeah and I relate as well my mum's a French teacher and I was still like what like I don't get this with that I mean I do I, I actually do now it took a long time but I do love it um definitely just one class a week maximum that's enough for me <laughs> but yeah it's so true and I think it's really worth taking away and thinking about this of like mm. how do we teach something so you can feel it so you mm. can dream it yeah mm-hmm. if you're dreaming if if you've taught something and you're someone's dreaming it and they feel it you've done it right I feel like that's <laughs> yeah. what I've gotten from this <laughs> I feel like this still which I can just take away from this conversation and just I think I just need to let it settle and then process and actually try <laughs> some stuff out I feel like I need to get back in the studio um but yes I feel like we are edging on time and it was so so lovely to talk to you both and um yeah is there anything you would like to say before we wrap up? Can we get in a studio together and jam soon, please? Yes. <laughs> I really wish this was in person. It right, was, honestly, that would be so cool. Like, like finish it up with movement. With yes, oh. honestly, finish it up with something we all love and enjoy and just need to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do want to just big up contemporary dance, actually, though, for that. But I think contemporary really helped me to then open my mind more because, you know, mm-hmm. salsa and breaking gave me those bases of, of kind of like freestyle. But contemporary just kind of blew my mind. It was like mm. the ultimate of like actually how far then can you go with something. Yeah. Yeah, mm. that's yeah, very true. true. Within freedom, there needs to be some level of structure. I suppose. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm. Thank you. Um, just want to say, <laughs> getting really emotional. I just want to say thank you both again for agreeing to be with us and chatting with us and yeah, just embracing us. We can feel the warmth across the screen, so it's really been really beautiful for us. Yeah. Oh, thank oh, thanks for you us. guys. This was this was really nice. So yeah, thanks, <laughs> thanks for having us on. Yeah, brilliant. And to anyone who is listening, I just want to say thank you for listening. And if this has resonated with you, please like, comment, and share to all the wonderful people in your life. Um, We have more podcasts coming, so keep tuned as well. Um, But this was a lovely way to start off this podcast series. So thank you both so much, Ella and David. Thank you.